Welcome back to Football on the 40. It's the halfway point of the season. So that means we're going to take a look at the state of the program so far this season in this episode. We'll also have our staples, another legendary Longhorn moment with Andrew Harris, Gambling Corner, led by Bowen Kai, and likely some outlandish takes by Kevin Mathis. I'm Jake Robinson, and we're going to start with a recap of that disappointing Oklahoma State game. But before we get to that, how are we feeling, boys? Not not great. I'm sure that we all share that. I was not looking forward to the podcast this week. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, it's been pretty rough. My strows are losing. Longhorns can't catch a break. Sports are hard. And Texans are. I don't even want to get started with the Texans. Sports they are, hard. are. I'm I'm trying to start supplementing my Longhorn fanhood with some Cowboy fanhood, though, with that overtime win on Sunday. That was that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was. Although that did come at the hands of, you know, an Oklahoma Sooner with C.D. Lamb trying to trying to claim him, you know, for my mental health. (laughs) Yeah, it's been rough. Is this another another therapy session episode? Yeah, it it feels like it. Yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, I can kick us off. (laughs) Um, You know, like like we're saying, I was really devastated from this loss. We were texting in the group chat about, you know, did you feel worse during after the OU game or after the Oklahoma State game? And I think it was mixed. But for me, like I definitely felt worse after this one. I feel like pretty deflated. And, you know, we had a lot of hopes riding on us being able to keep our home stronghold. um, And that kind of got rocked. I don't know if we were just like gassed from Texas OU just emotionally and and physically. I mean, I know Casey might've been playing hurt, but I don't know. It was tough. And really like, you know, I was, I was gone from last podcast. I I was in Hawaii for my honeymoon and we basically bookended the honeymoon with losses on both sides. So I'm officially 0-2 in the state of Hawaii slash over the Pacific ocean. So can only go up from here, I guess. But yeah, that was, uh, that was tough. That was definitely tough to tough tough to tough to watch. Yeah, that game was was a little unexpected and painful. Um, I guess kind of where where I'm at with all of this is we've become accustomed to this, and uh, I think of that song uh, "Pain" by Three Days Grace. You know, it goes right. I'd rather feel pain than nothing at all. Yeah, I kind of feel like that's that's where we're at. Um, Dang it, Jake. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll leave I'll leave specifics of players and bad decisions and all that to y'all, but that game was just unacceptable. Uh, Oklahoma State did really nothing inspiring, and um, I how you go three and out on the last six drives when you have that kind of leave lead. Um, I guess if that's the Sark offense we were promised, ugh, we're in trouble. Um, so that being said. Still glad I was able to spend uh, the first half of my day, you know, losing my voice, hanging out with with uh, with y'all and and some other friends at Evans Tailgate, and watching our horns. Uh, this is why we do it, plain and simple. But we do feel a lot of pain. Yeah, um, I'm kind of. I mean, I feel like we're all in a similar state of mind. But um, yeah, we just should not have lost that game. We have more time. We have more talent, obviously, than Oklahoma State. I think we're a better 
team as well, which sounds kind of lame after you lose to a team. Um, but I do think I do think we have the better team as well. Um, we just lost our composure. Uh, we lost our um, our mental focus the last quarter and a half of the game, and that's the reason why we lost. Um, you know, we can look back at the pick six. Um, we can look at the six. Uh, we can look at the three and outs that the offense produced. But at the end of the day, I our mental intensity was just not there. Um, we were not mentally tough, which is just uh, that's really hard to um, to say to accept. And you know, we are really close to being six and one right now but now we're four and three um and that's just how life is and that's how sports are um at the end of the day you win or lose um but it's just it's interesting how the narrative changes just by a few plays and it's just a disappointing outcome for where i think the program is at this moment i agree with with each of you i mean it's hard to disagree with how I felt about that game because we kind of all saw the same thing. Um, Definitely a gut wrenching loss, especially coming off of, you know, another game this season where we lost a lead and had just no productivity in the second half. Um, I think many, so it took a lot of convincing to make myself rewatch this game, but I'm glad I did because I ended the rewatch kind of feeling different than I did in the stands. Um, I'm going to go a little bit, a little bit deeper on the Oklahoma state stuff because, you know, because of the rewatch, but specifically I was looking at Jake, you mentioned the drives where we just stalled and the last six drives of the game, we got, you know, obviously zero points and a lot of three and outs and a a turnover Um, was very frustrated with that and more frustrated now after seeing it twice. Um, But one of the themes that I was noticing late in the game is we're almost like too productive or not productive, obviously, but too predictable on first down. Um, So we had 15 offensive drives in this game and we went to Bijan on first down 10 times. So over 60% of first down plays in this game were to Bijan. And if you say, you know, well, that's not that significant. um, Like the other four, were to Josh Moore on pass plays on first down. So 14 of 15 drives, we're only going to two players and we're not mixing it up at all. And if you just look at first downs, like passing effectiveness, um, I think on first down passing plays, we were two of five. So two completions, but they totaled zero yards. They were both for for no gain. Um, So, you know, we're kind of getting to know Steve spec offense that sure over the course of the first half of the season has put up a lot of points but um really has like no productivity we're not mixing it up and and we're not doing anything anything special or or unpredictable on on first down and it's getting us kind of behind the eight ball and we're not really able to um get caught up after those first down plays especially late in these games when we have no momentum um so yeah we're just way too predictable on first down especially in this game. And if the defense goes all in on stopping Bijan um, over the course of the game, that's a, that's a really good strategy against us. And 
um, I think it, I think it, it worked out for Oklahoma state. You know, I gave Mike Gundy a lot of credit before this game, um, mentioning that he's the second most tenured coach in the big 12. And I think he had, he had a great game plan against us. Um, it worked and he stuck to it and they kind of took hold of the momentum early in the fourth quarter and, and didn't let it go. And we had, we had really no answer. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about it um, later on in the podcast, but, you know, I love Casey. I think it's really admirable, you know, his patience and, and the fact that he was able, able to wait um, while Sam Ellinger was leading our team and stayed patient, even when Hudson card was named the starter early in the season. Um, You know, his first couple starts, he looked really good. Casey did, but under under pressure in these last two games, Casey has made some really bad decisions. Um, and rewatching the game, I saw a lot of frustration um, from Sark on the sideline, kind of directed towards the offense. And I think he was frustrated over over Casey's decision making. But Casey just consistently doesn't he doesn't scan the field on third down when he's under pressure. Um, if his first if his first option in in a passing play on third down isn't there, he either gets sacked or makes a really bad decision. Um, so I'm sure some of that's attributed to the offensive line, but um, between you know being too predictable on on first down and then not having a quarterback that's making great decisions on third down to help you convert when things aren't going well, um, th- there's a lot to figure out on the offensive side of the ball. For sure. And I, I think the bye week right now is coming at a good time for us because there's there's definitely a lot to work on. But um, trying to kind of shift my expectations to next season and, and be patient with Sark. Um, I was, you know, angry and kind of jokingly sending texts about firing the whole coaching staff and, and all that on Saturday after rewatching the game and, you know, kind of comparing our program to, program to others that are trying to rebuild. I'm trying to you know, convince and teach myself to be patient. Um, but definitely, definitely very frustrated uh, halfway through the Dang. season here. On to, on to 2022 already. Oh, yeah. You already <laughs> gave up on this whole season. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, no, I, man. I, gosh. I think you, you do like bring up, I mean, a ton of great points, but like one in particular was around how frequently gave it to Bichon first, which I feel like is hard to argue against at first blush, right. It's like, okay, he's by far the best player in the field. Like we should feed him, but yeah, they're just going to stack the box against us. And if he's making first contact in the backfield, like there's only so much we can expect him to do. Right. Um, so I think that's a great point. Hopefully we can get some creativity and I know we'll touch on this later too, but I thought that was a, I thought that was a really good insight there. And I, I think this game in the second half, when you're trying to be physical and just find a way to win, um, during the game, it was hard to say that that decision to keep going back to Bijan was a bad one because that strategy worked against TCU. Um, feeding Bijan in that game and having him kind of carry us on his shoulders worked in that situation. Um, but we saw Sark make the same decision and not be able to adapt when things weren't going well this game, um, which, yeah, I mean, we're, we're too predictable. And the guy, he's amazing. And Joel Klatt, on on fox was was raving about Bijan, um which was cool to see but there, there's only so much you can do and if it's not working we have to have other options yeah uh kev you brought up like a ton of really good points and like i agree with like most of them 
the only slight pushback I would say is that I don't like we in the second half for sure we have been getting really way too uh, predictable in our play calls and I think that's really been detrimental uh, in the last two games um, but in the first opening script of of Sark's calls um, in both of these games you know we we jumped out to a 28-7 lead against Oklahoma. We jumped out, what was it, 17-3 against Oklahoma State, and, and we were driving at that point. Um, and if it wasn't for a pick six, we would have been up 20-3 to seven, uh, twenty to three at that point. So, I mean, yeah, I, I think Sark is doing a really good job at first of being unpredictable, but I think we kind of harped on this, and it was a good job by you and Bowen. Uh, saying this but I think Sark is his mentality is while we have the best running back in the country we can just hand it off to him and he can take it take us um, to victory but as we are learning we can't do that we're not going to win if we have that same mentality going forward yeah Um, I just I just would want to see you know Sark who was hyped and and probably you know, has the legitimate moniker of being the best play caller in, in college football. I'm, I'm very surprised to see these last two games where you go with the Bijan strategy and it, it doesn't work over the course of four drives and there's no change in approach. So yeah. there, there just has to be, there has to be other options. For sure. All right. That was a good therapy sesh, mini therapy sesh. Let's get into the next segment mistake fire and keep Andy do you want to kick us off there yeah I'll go I'll go quick with mine um my mistake was trying to recover from a longhorn loss by going to the Astros game I went to game two of the ALCS first playoff baseball game I've ever been to which was really cool um but the Red Sox became the first team to hit two grand slams in uh two grand slams in a single postseason game so Really rough, really rough game, and just wasn't wasn't a good time. Saturday was a really rough sports day. Uh, fired Kyle Flood, pretty obvious. Um, can't have six series and get a total of fourteen yards. I know we talked about predictability, but even then, you should even if we handed the ball off to Bijan, um, every single play of the six possessions, we should have gone more yards. Um, and then lastly, keep an eye on the 2022 and 2023 recruits. I felt like everyone in this group was pretty negative, including myself, after the game with recruits. Um, didn't think it would um, – we thought the weekend kind of was ruined in that regard. Um, but thankfully, it looks like a lot of the recruits had a good time and – um, we might be in the running for some really good players, including some offensive linemen, which we desperately need. So those are my, that's my mistake fire keep for the week. Nice. Yeah, I can go next. I think my mistake is not giving Keelan Robinson enough snaps. I don't know what happened to him these past three games. He's just not getting opportunities. I wonder if something's going on at practice or in the classroom. I have no idea. I can't make any sense of it. I think Sark did say in his press conference today that that's one of the first things they talked about as a coaching staff after this game, which is a good sign, but hopefully it's not lip service. I mean, he got, I I counted, he got 23 touches in his first four games, which isn't a ton, 
But his last three games, he's totaled one rush attempt and has had three catches. I mean, I I, I don't know. I, I can't really tell. Um, but would definitely love to see him being used at Baylor. Um, for fire, um, whoever is in charge of – I know we don't have, like, an official passing game coordinator anymore. I thought we did, but I know we don't now. Whoever is in charge of drawing up some of these routes, like – we need to fire them because Casey's picky through was telegraphed the entire way. I mean, that was for sure on him, but he loves that slant route on third downs. Like he would always throw that to Jay Witt and the DB just completely just jumped. In. I mean, he knew that that was coming like from the snap. So I know we talked a little bit about like needing more creativity, but yeah, we need some, some better concepts, which I'm, I know Sark is like the best, so we'll, we'll get it done, but that's, it's definitely dif- disappointing to see. Um, as far as keep, um, definitely, um, in terms of the NIL and the transfer portal, I know we talk a lot about it, but we desperately need help. We're going to send the bat signal out. I mean, call in all of our favors from all of our boosters. We just need, we need some, we need some help desperately. Otherwise we're waking some, wasting some of the peak Bijan years. Um, so yeah, I'm hopefully making a, a big push on the trenches on both sides. I mean, offensive and and defensive line too. So that's my, that's mine for the week. I want to interject quickly about, about that interception. So I I mentioned how I rewatched and really looked and and rewatched plays on those six drives uh, where we were really struggling at the end of the game. And I, I mentioned how Casey isn't going past his first read. Not only did he telegraph that throw, which you're totally right. He, he never turned his head away from that receiver mm-hmm. that he went to and threw towards when he threw an interception. Um, he had time to scan the field there if he didn't like that throw. And if, if you rewatch that play, so Casey throws to the left interception. If he checks down to Bijan on the right side of the line, Bijan is literally wide open for a screen pass with no linebackers in sight. So not only was it telegraphed, but he didn't even make an attempt to scan the field, didn't see Bijan wide open. And and I think if Bijan gets his hands on that ball in that play, he goes for at least 10 or 15 yards and easily converts for a first down. So tough to see. Jake, sure. what's your MFK? Yeah, my mistakes on me this week. Yeah, it's not it's not wearing sunscreen. Um, that was that was pretty stupid. I think I got the worst sunburn I've had in probably a year and a half or so. Um just because it's a chilly morning does not mean that the sun won't give you a red face painting. So, uh, yeah, my mistake fire. Uh, and, and by the way, I'm kind of keeping it away from individuals on the team and coaches this week on these. So my fire is, uh, primarily going to be Fox executives, um, for putting their premier game at 11 AM. I'm sick of 11 AM games. And when you factor in Baylor next week, uh, that will be, I believe, five in a row five in a row um and so abc definitely deserves some of that blame since four of those games were on abc but um and our team does too because if we just played better we'd get some more premier time slots but when you have the brand texas you shouldn't have to play at 11 a.m five weeks in a row um so firing all of our tv executives basically um yeah, my- that's Go ahead. That's 9 a.m. on the West Coast and 6 a.m. in Hawaii. So 
I, I will say it's our buddy a, Kane a rough at London is loving these 11 a.m. games. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, and my keep uh, is just our hopes alive. Um, and I will continue to dive into pretty deep scenarios where Texas makes a Big 12 championship um, to the third and fourth tiebreakers. We were having a conversation earlier about that, and uh, they're far stretched, but. I'm going to keep my hopes alive that we make it to Dallas December 4th. Never lose hope, Jake. So Um. you're saying there's a chance. (laughs) Oh, I also said this earlier. Yes, there is a chance. And it's probably about the same chance as we had to uh, lose to Oklahoma with uh, midway through that fourth quarter. Our chance was about 5%. And I think that's probably about what our chances are to make it to Dallas at this point. That's rough. We also had an over 90% chance uh, during the game against OSU, I think, in mid-second quarter. So did not know yeah. that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it was yeah, like 95-plus, I think. And I, I admire the, you know, continuing to have hope and, and any semblance of expectations for the Big 12 championship because you, you guys know how, how I feel about this one, about us being stuck in a Big 12 simulation that just keeps repeating over and over <laughs> and over. Um, not not to be too negative about this season, but I, I have zero expectation that we will be in Arlington the first week in December. It's just unfortunately not it's not our year. <laughs> um so my my mistake for this game, I've talked about it already, but predictability on first down and the lack of any productive passing game on first down. I think the team already is is really missing Jordan Whittington. Um, so I'm not necessarily saying that's all on Sark, but we have to find new ways to mix it up on first down, especially in the second half where where we don't have the momentum. The team on offense should be able to um, turn the tides and, and get momentum back in these close games because we will have more games like this um, going forward this season. My fire, um, I think it's funny that you mentioned about getting sunburned, Jake, because um, the wife and I actually left our seats um, at at the half and went to hang out in the south end zone in the shade by the deep eddy bar that we like. Um, so we spent all of the second half in in the south end zone, which which I like. It's growing on me. Um, but I, I, this week, I want to fire whoever's responsible for like the ticket price point or the seating strategy in the south end zone. It was really empty. Um, and I think they have to get people in the south end, end zone to create some noise and, you know, help our team play better on that side of the field. Um, a lot of our breakdowns in the second half were, were on that side of the stadium. And I think more fans and noise could help for sure. Um, and, and my keep, I'm keeping the bye week. I think it, it came at a great time, unfortunately. I hope that it hadn't been such good timing, but um, I'm – you know, I think it's 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 the right point in the season for our team to kind of take a break and and do some self scouting and and also get healthy. So I'm keeping the bye week. Kev, I, I believe you're looking to fire Corbin Hunt, our assistant athletics director of ticket sales and operations. Thank you, Jake. It's it's I could, nothing personal. I could give his phone number here for people to reach out to, but I, <laughs> but I won't do that at this time. It's 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 nothing personal. I'll be firing someone every week, so I guess I guess this week it's Corbin. All right. Um, yeah, say one nice thing, Kev. I guess 
the one nice thing I have to say is after a devastating two weeks, like, and after rewatching this game, um, I'm optimistic for upcoming seasons. So um, I might feel differently after another loss in the same fashion if we lose, you know, another lead in the second half and just show nothing in the last two quarters of the game. But um, I am still feeling optimistic about what Sark's doing. And um, I'm surprised to hear some of the recruiting reports that, you know, all of our recruits are are not super down on Texas at this point after being in attendance for the last two games, which I understand, but I'm surprised that, you know, 17, 18 year olds have the wisdom not to just go elsewhere at this point. Um, but I'm optimistic about, you know, next year and, and years after that. So I think that's 20, my 20, one nice thing. 2022 will be our year, 10 years after we all stepped foot on campus, except for our producer, Hamilton. Just come in full circle. Ten years, fellas. <laughs> I, I do. I do like asking Kevin to say something nice because you wouldn't have expected him to be optimistic after that. Uh, that read there, but that's why we do it. We got to have at least a little bit of optimism here. Uh, that wraps up our therapy and MFK segments. We will be right back after this, this short break. <laughs> This episode of Football in the 40 is brought to you by Kai Money. Steadfast, rugged, dependable on third down. Kai, if you're out there, please reach out to us on our social media. We have a lucrative $75 NIL deal with all the perks waiting for you whenever you want it. Come build your brand. Texas by 40. And we are back. Um, This week in our legendary Longhorn moment, um, it's not so legendary, actually. and so we don't have a game to look forward to this week. So looking at another moment in Longhorn history uh, that has nothing to do with our upcoming game. Um, and with that, we're going to look at the uh, Notre Dame game in 2016. We famously won that game in double overtime, uh, 50 to 47. And Joe Tessitore at the end of the game said, Texas is back, as we are all too familiar with. Um, but since that game, we we're 40 and 25. In the previous uh, 65 games up uh, to that Notre Dame game, Texas was 36 and 29. So pretty identical records, unfortunately. And we don't know how much longer this will last, um, hopefully sooner rather than later. But I'm optimistic for the future, unlike some of these guys. So we'll talk about that more uh, in the segments to come. Cool. Yeah, let's uh, move on to our good cop, bad cop segment. Uh, this is where uh, Andy and myself will will take a very positive approach to uh, the future of our program. And Bowen and Kevin are going to take a very negative approach uh, forward looking at our program. So I'm going to start. And again, these are all... Uh, optimistic takes i could be negative at times but i choose not to this is a choice for texas fans we have to be positive everyone needs to take a chill pill it's not burning down everything's okay so first of all looking forward at this season was our goal ever to make the college football playoff year one under sark not really it was to make the big 12 championship dethrone ou still possible not not maybe not super likely but Uh, If Oklahoma State loses three times, we went out and there's some three-way tie scenarios in there, you know, it could could happen. Also, 
The combined schedule of the teams that we have played is 32 and 13. The combined schedule of what we have left is 16 and 15 with three of our five remaining games against winless conference opponents. So our schedule is front road front loaded on toughness. And I think we have a good chance. I am officially predicting that we come out at eight and four, uh, which would be better than any Charlie strong season and all but one under Herman. So I do think we still could get to the big 12 championship, go nine and three, uh, eventually make the sugar bowl. That's tied with our best season in uh, 13 years. So it's not all burning down. That's, that's this season. That's, that's not even being negative on this season. Looking out next couple of years, we're not seeing recruits jumping ship. We're not, uh, there's no reason to think this team and future teams aren't still loving the Sark program. Um, key players aren't going to the transfer portal. And uh, there's still a ton of upside uh, looking at the current players on the roster outside of this year. And um, finally, we are going to the SEC. So I'm going to stay optimistic here even if we are permanently destined to mediocrity and you can't allow yourself to get positive, think of how much fun we will have visiting the likes of Oxford, Tus Tuscaloosa, Knoxville, schools like that in the next decade. The future of fun is there. The future of Texas being good is there. I say the program is in good state. Will he need, uh, will he need to bring bottles of mustard if we go to Knoxville? <laughs> if it's self-defense mustard, yes. Only in self-defense should we be throwing mustard in Tennessee. Yeah. Oh gosh, that's gonna be interesting. I just thought about that. The stadium, like just two like two shades of orange plus the mustard. That's <laughs> I hadn't really visualized what that would look like. All right, I can go next here. Um I'm gonna start off with a couple things. So I'm gonna take you guys back a few podcast episodes. So two things. So one was, do y'all remember when I think it was Jake asked, is this the peak of Texas football season? And we all went collectively one by one. And we were like, no, heck no, no way. We're going to the big 12 championship and look where we are now. Two more losses later with going into a buy with just, deflated breaks just completely just hammered so that's one another one was do y'all remember when we were just talking i think it was the same episode but i was like oh man we're so optimistic i need to book a ticket to dallas on december 4th for the big 12 championship game turns out guys i was a month off i should have been looking to book tickets for our annual trip on january 4th 2022 to the Texas Bowl in Houston, Texas, folks. I was an entire month off there. Our future is officially out of our hands. I mean, Jake is brainstorming through disaster scenarios. We have to rely on our foes to knock out each other. Iowa State to knock out Oklahoma State this season. Baylor's a must win now. And looking at internally at the state of our program, both sides of our trenches are just hopeless. We have no conditioning. Jay Witt, our most dependable receiver, has a broken clavicle. Xavier is too young. Moore is not who we thought and who we needed him to be. 
We're fifth in the Big 12. Really mediocre. And Jake's all excited about going in the SEC when we're just going to be due up for even more and more beating. I think the one slimmer of hope in this bad cop section is definitely in the recruits and the promise of the portal. And I think NIL is, if I can be a little optimistic, is definitely a, a positive for the program. Austin is a great city for it, but that's the only shred of optimism I'll allow myself to have. It is, we're in, in dire straits, folks. You love it when your bad cop is optimistic. That's, I was going to say. It just shows you how good of a state your program is actually in. <laughs> You're a bad cop with a positive streak. That's, the, that. that's the one thing I'll, I'll allow us to have. But <laughs> I'll be rough. Well, like you mentioned all the negatives and the fact that we've even have a winning record right now. Like after all the negative things that you said is something to be positive about you know the only thing that i feel like we have that's elite on our um on our team right now is Bijan. so you know all the positives that have occurred so far you you would think that you know that despite all the negative things that we have on our team like there is some positivity looking forward and if you the, look hard the, enough i guess the two weeks ago snapshot is is like so relevant. I love that you brought that up because we're like night and day different right now from where we were just a couple weeks back after beating TCU in a really physical dominating football game. When we were coming off that win in the way that we won on the road, looking forward to a game against OU, which we felt like, you know, we could beat Spencer Rattler and we like what we were seeing from the Sooners so far during the season. Like it's just the tables. Oh, how the turntables. Hey, let's just wait for another two weeks. You know, things might be different. Gosh, I I hope they're different because they can't get worse, but we didn't want Caleb that, that really kind of ruined our year. Uh, My bad cop. I'm going to keep it all to this season, which I've said before. And I'll say again is already over. Um, we've disappointed thus far in big games and with Caleb over at OU just crushing it in these past few weeks, I don't see any scenario where someone not Oklahoma wins the big 12 this year. Um, I'll still be watching football for, you know, upsets and the chance that that won't happen, but, um, that, that, that will happen. My brain is telling me that Oklahoma is going to win for like the seventh straight season. So everyone is getting tired of that and i wish it were a different story but you know you can you can book that uh the regular season is over i see us going seven and five in the regular season hopefully with a bowl win um but you know maybe we could go to eight and five but i think that's a stretch with how surprisingly strong um, baylor has been playing um so yeah, I'm I'm already trying to look forward past this season because because this one is is over. Um we've still got some good, you know, great game day experiences to have and we'll continue to cheer on the horns, but um this one just didn't work out. And you know, also I'll be I'll be bad cop on, you know, offensive struggles and and quarterback struggles specifically. Um we were expecting Sark, you know, to come in and be the quarterback guy, just like he was at Alabama and make the best of a, a really 
intense quarterback battle early on in the season. We trusted him to make the right choice in week one. And after beating Louisiana, we thought that he had made the correct choice. But, you know, after Arkansas, we immediately were wondering and thinking that he had picked wrong. Um, after a few other games and, and second half collapses, you know, I'm thinking like Casey isn't Sam Ellinger. Um, you know, after we trounced Rice, we were we were saying Casey's already better, already better than Sam. And we're so lucky to have Casey. But Sam was much better under duress. Um, his ability as a runner, I think, made our offensive lines look better than they really were. And we will continue to have a lot of issues with, you know, defenders getting in the backfield on passing plays and offensive line struggles. So I'm curious to hear what you guys think of that. Like knowing what we know now, are we comfortable saying that one Sark has made incorrect choices with who he's starting at quarterback and that Sam Ellinger was better than Casey? I think you're Paul Feinbaum over here, just saying things to get, people's uh, reaction the season is over and then proceed to talk about why the next several games are interesting paul feinbaum <laughs> it's it's like saying that we'll be seven and five is is you know saying that we'll win a few more games so i'm not saying that we won't win another game this season but as a texas fan your goals are your goals are shot at this point so would you say there's like a five percent chance we even make it to the big 12 game yeah, it's 5% more than we had under Charlie and Tom's first season. All right, Andy, we need some optimism. <laughs> I, you know, if we if we look at this, yeah, a couple weeks ago we were riding high. Right now we're riding real low. And as history will show, you know, as a Texas fan, we'll be riding high probably in a couple weeks. You know, that's just the roller coaster we live on. Um but if we do beat Baylor um, in a week and a half, I do think our mood will be a little bit different. Um, and so I think that's something to keep an eye on. Um, I know we might not be super optimistic at the moment about that, but, you know, looking at the program as a whole, I, I decided to kind of look at position groups, um, position groups of, the, of Charlie of Tom and Sark in their first year at Texas and kind of just ranked them um, to see who had the better position group um, as a coach. And so I'll go, I'll go real quick through these uh, quarterback. I, I think Sark has the best quarterback out of the, out of the three. Um, I also think he has the best running back. I don't, that one, I don't really think is much of a debate, um, but going, going forward, we'll see an interesting pattern. Um, Herman, uh, I think, had the best wide receiver group. Tight ends, that was honestly just a tide uh, between the three of them. Not really a lot of production from any of them um, in their first year, so let's kind of throw that out the window. Offensive lines, all of them were pretty bad, but I would say Charlie had the best one. Uh, and then on defense, we'll see kind of going back between Herman and, and Strong. Uh, defensive tackle, I, I would go with Herman. Defensive end, I would go with Charlie. Linebackers, I would go with Herman. Safety, I would go with Herman. And cornerbacks, i probably go with Herman um, with that as well. And so, as you can see, out of all the position groups that we have, uh, only two of them, in my opinion, um, Sark has a clear advantage over the other two coaches. And 
what's interesting about that is that um, Charlie, he came in as a d- defensive guy. And in our first year, we kind of look back and think, oh, yeah, that was a pretty good defense. We had a lot of good players. Um, but I, I just want to go through the, a couple of these games in that year and just kind of show um, that maybe the defense wasn't as elite as we once thought. BYU, we gave up 41 points. Um, OU game, we gave up 31 points. Um, Iowa State, we gave up 45 uh, TCU, we gave up 48, and Arkansas, we gave up 31. So we gave up a good amount of points that year, even though our defense was strong at points. Um, so maybe not as elite as we once thought. Uh, under Herman, he came in as an offensive guy, and our offense really struggled. Our defense really kind of carried us uh, through that season. But Sark coming in, he is the offensive guy. He's the offensive guru, and, you know, the times that we've looked really well, it's because of our offense. Um, and I think that's something to be positive about going forward this season and in the future. Uh, Sark has displayed elite tendencies. He's not done it consistently. That's why we're four and three. Um, but if we can get the right type of players, if we can get the right type of um, lines, both offensively and defensively, I really think we have a coach that will set us apart versus the other two coaches that didn't really give us an advantage. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of my spiel on the good cop. All right. I think everyone went. Let's uh, move on to our next segment. We are going to uh, give overall grades for the program so far. So um, what I'd like for you all to do is give us just an overall team grade and then maybe like your offense, defense, and special teams grade. Um, yeah, let's let's start with that. I can go first. I think overall, I would call it a B minus. Um, breaking it down, I would give the offensive B. Obviously, it's the best of our three phases. I think we've talked a little already about play calling. Um, you know, it's tough. We're playing musical chairs with our offensive line. You can't get a solid foundation there. I think we're going to struggle. But hopefully, looking into the second half of the season, we'll see some improvement there with some rest. Defense, I give a C. I think we actually held up for a while against Oklahoma State. I mean, once we gave up that pick six, I mean, we didn't give a touchdown up in the first half. Um, And once we gave that pick six up, we just ran out of gas. I mean, we have a safety, turn receiver, turn safety, back starting. It's just, it's tough. I I share some analysis with the guys, and I won't pretend to know much about this, of having to learn a new scheme under PK. But we're almost, I mean, we're more than halfway through the season now. And I think... There's enough leeway given. So we just need the guys to step up. Special teams, I'll give it a B minus. I feel like, I don't know that this is a hot take. I feel like our kick and punt return game has been pretty overrated. Um, Obviously, we had the big mistake in the Red River game. Field goal kicking has been pretty consistent. I do feel like the punting has been pretty lackluster and overall ineffective. I mean, it's hard to compare when we have dicks into compare against but I don't I feel like Oklahoma State was winning the position battle all game um so yeah that th- those are my takes overall I'd give us a b minus um Kev what about you I I think I'm with you and I'm not you know plagiarizing here I agree that we're about a b minus and I thought about you know giving us a c plus but I, I think b minus is a fair grade 
Um, starting with the offense, I'm giving the offense a B. Um, we're continuing to have offensive line issues and, and injuries are beginning to really hurt us. You talk about the carousel and having to um, shift players to their, you know, not their first position. Um, if you go back and watch when our center, um, was it Jacob Majors that got hurt during the game versus Oklahoma State? Andrew, you probably know. Was that Jake Majors? Yeah. Yes, it, it was. Got hurt. So yeah. at, after Jake gets hurt, you know, obviously the center is a very important position. The the whole offensive line had to scramble and 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 change where they were playing, which you know made made a tough situation even harder. Um, I I'm really convinced that our offense is never a source of momentum in the second half, um, which I've been very surprised by. We're used to seeing a Texas team that you know doesn't usually win ten games, but but through like Sam Ellinger, we we came back a lot and. And we're able to create some juice on offense late in games that as a fan was fun to watch. Uh, we haven't seen any of that this season in close games, which is, is really surprising to me. Um, and, and they're scoring well overall, but just it's just not showing up in the win column in these, in these really tight contended games. Uh, for the defense, I'm giving the defense a C minus. Um, it's been tough, you know, in the defensive backfield with some DBs getting passed on deep balls and, and, giving up deep, deep touchdowns on plays that would, you know, otherwise result in a punt like the Oklahoma, Oklahoma game. We saw a lot of um, third down conversions with just breakdowns in the defensive backfield. And I've talked about it before, but we have to stop reading articles in preseason about how good the D line is, because that just means the offensive line is bad. Um, defensive line, like you said, Bowen, maybe they're struggling with, with scheme with PK and, and catching up with that new defensive strategy, but um, overall, they've been they've been pretty average and and haven't achieved as much as they should have given the level of talent that we have in that position group and how deep we are there. Um, and last thing for the defense, I think that as fans, again, we made a mistake thinking that we would get a good defensive coordinator out of the Pac-12. Um, although he had good stats, other than I guess Oregon, there's probably no offenses in the Pac-12 that would really challenge a defensive coordinator at all. Um, so we've talked and heard a lot about how, you know, PK has had some of his worst games against rushing attacks this season. And, and it, we, we treat that as if it's an outlier. Um, but the conference in the Big 12 is, is much different than the Pac-12. A lot more competitive, better athletes, better coaches. And I think it was a, a mistake on our part to evaluate PK's recent results in the Pac-12 and think that that would translate. So frustrated with offense and defense. Special teams has been, you know, I guess middle of the pack. Um, I, I don't like the selection of who's been catching kickoffs and punts in big moments. I was really hard on our special teams coaches for having Xavier Worthy out there catching kickoffs in a big game. Can't live and die by the freshman. And the only redeeming qualities we really have on special teams are Dicker and Deshaun Jameson. So we have great skill players on special teams, but the coaching is is making their results super up and down, hasn't been consistent or great so far this season. So not giving them a failing grade, but um, I, I think they've also underachieved. So agree with you, Bo. I think B minus is a fair, a fair grade overall. Jake, what do you think? Yeah. Um, for me, I'm going to go, 
I'm going to go with offense first. So simply my approach to rankings was just uh, averaging the games. I like graded each game and um, we had, a, I had, I get four A's and um, three C's. So that came out to like a B plus for offense um, for defense. Yikes. Not good. I, I fired coach coach Pete twice now. So can't, can't think they're going to get a good grade. Um, my average of these came out to about a C minus, and that was generous. That's only because we shut out rice or it would have been a D, but I, I will remind you a C minus is actually failing if it's in your major. So that's a failing grade defense and special teams. Um, I'm going to disagree with bone and Kev a little bit on this. I think special teams has been really good. Uh, and I think who, who's the, the first player you're going to look at, you're going to look at your kicker and Cameron Dicker is our field goal kicker and punter. Um, field goal. I didn't know this. I, I brought this up a, a few weeks ago, but I went back and looked at the stats again. Dicker is actually the um, third greatest average punt in the country. Um, and if you do net punts, he's number one in the nation for anyone who has punted more than one time. So he's actually borderline the best punter in the country right now in a job that no one expected him to have. And for field goals at the beginning of the season, he missed a couple, but he's six for six when less than 40 yards, eight for nine, less than 50 and uh, 34 for 34 on extra points. So he's been really consistent. In my opinion, he's, he's probably the second best player at his position on the entire team, maybe behind Dijon. Um, so, and that's, that's, you know, hard to compare obviously. And there's more to special teams than just your kicker, but I did want to get those stats out there. So overall I'm giving our special teams an A, um, and, and Jamison's also in the top 50 on returning statistics as well. So um, overall, I'm giving the team a B minus, you know, B stands for good. B minus is like, okay, fine. C is average. We're slightly above average about where I'm at. Yeah. Good point, there, Jake. Um, yeah. Overall, I'm, I'm going to go with the B and uh, I'll kind of explain my reasoning going forward. Um Offense, I, I would put it at a B plus when I talked about this earlier, but when we're on, we're, we're really on, we're lethal. Uh, 23rd in the nation in total offense, uh, eighth in the nation in points scored. So, I mean, we're, we're putting up good stats and we have done really well at uh, points during the year. But there's definitely been stretches where we haven't lived up to expectations. Uh, you know, second half of the Oklahoma State game, OU second half, and then all the Arkansas game just haven't um, lived up. So um, I'm going to go with the B plus there. Defense, I'm going to go with the D plus. You know, back in high school, I don't think any of us dealt with this, but back in high school, um, you know, if you got a D plus, it's kind of the teacher's way of saying, I recognize the effort, but you know, this grade is going to sideline you from whatever sport you're playing. And you kind of have to take a look inward and see where you are as in life. So I think that's where the Texas defense is currently. They need to take a look inward and see where they are. Uh, so, yeah, D plus, um, pretty bad. 102nd in the nation in total defense. We actually went up um, in total defense after the Oklahoma State game, which is kind of sad. Um giving up 432 yards per game. And then special teams, I'm going to go with a solid B, um, maybe even a B plus. Uh, we have blocked two punts this year. Um, I don't even – I think you have to go back to Mac um, 
when we had a blog two punts in a year. So I think that's something to be really um, positive on with the special teams. One special teams touchdown has come from that. You know, it's like a touchdown the next play in the Red River game. Um, Dickers had a really good year, as Jake pointed out. Um, but we've had two costly errors in the combo um, that, you know, resulted in us losing that game. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I originally said B. I'm going to go with B+. Plus. So that's kind of where I am. Two B pluses, one B plus. I feel like that kind of comes out to to B, um, in my opinion. So yeah, awesome. And uh, to our listeners out there, feel free to let us know what grades you would give uh, the team thus far. Um, you can you can hit us up on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, just just uh, tag football on the forty in it. Let us know what your grades are. Um, that kind of wraps up this segment, but we, we're going to take one more short break before we get into betting corner. So uh, we'll see you back in just a second. It's officially spooky season, Longhorns, and it's time to find that perfect Halloween costume for the big weekend. Visit SpookySeason.com to browse all your costume favorites. This year, SpookySeason.com has special deals on popular costumes such as Sad Charlie Strong and Little Einstein Baby Tom Herman. SpookySeason.com, that's S-P-O-O-K-Y-S-Z-N.com. And we're back with another segment of Gambling Corner. So we've talked about it ad nauseum already. We don't have to go into it too much. It's another poor performance by the Horns. You know, the guys, when I texted them that the line opened at five, Texas by five, I, I, they thought I was crazy for suggesting us to stay away from it. I was saying things like, I'm not brave enough to touch that. You know, it's just a crazy, that's a trap. But unfortunately, I was not here on the podcast to steer them away from some really questionable use of bankroll last week. Texas obviously did not cover the five. We didn't even hit the over either. Our home record that was relatively solid up till then got upended. And the bad news gets worse. So I'm on my honeymoon. My wife and I are flying back on the morning of the Oklahoma State game. My brother texts me and tells me that the line had actually shifted to Texas minus three. And I was like, all right, I think minus three is probably pretty good decided to put some money on them to cover the three and hit the over. So I was not, I was also part of the part of the problem. So clearly some bad decisions made, but you know, we're just going to look ahead. Um, we have our season long betting game, thousand dollar picks and guys, I, I think we need to sound the alarm bells. I mean, before we go raising the debt ceiling and, and, and getting, a, getting some lenders out from some loan sharks, I think I need to see some fiscally sound decision-making this week. We lost 393 bow coin last week. We're now a little over 400 down on the season. Obviously, if we're ranking the, the folks on the pod, Kevin is in last place with his big bet. So he has to ground some, he has some ground to make up, but this is also where it gets dangerous. You know, when you're, when you're down bad, the fiscal responsibility just goes through the roof. So, or goes, the opposite of the roof, you know, so <laughs> we got to make sure that we are, we're, we're, we got to, we got to, we got to reverse this trend. 
Any any of you guys like any of the bets around the league? I'll I, hand it off to y'all. I didn't see that many interesting matchups. I guess like the two that popped out to me was <laughs> Oklahoma, Kansas. Kansas getting 38 points, but I feel like that's always a blowout. Um, I think Clemson was getting three and a half points on Pitt, but those are the only two that stuck out. I think y'all were talking about some other ones around the league though. So why don't, um, Andy, why don't you kick us off? You like anything out there? Yeah, I, um, I, I do. I tech is a one point favorite over, uh, Kansas state. I, I, you know, it's probably dangerous to ride with tech two weeks in a row, but I definitely think tech is going to win the game. Um, it's at home. It's in Lubbock. So uh, let's throw a 25 boat coin on tech. Uh, another one that I really like is TCU. TCU is a four and a half favorite over West Virginia. I think West Virginia is trash. So, um, you know, I'm going to throw a 50 boat coin on that. Um, uh, TCU covering, I should say. And then, um, man. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm a fan of anything else out there, but those are two that I definitely have my eye out eye on. I've I've got a few that I actually really like the lines on. So um first of all, I you know, Bone, you gave us a lot of a lot of uh, crap in that that uh that intro, which is fine, but I think most of the blame needs to be put on Kevin because that's the second time this season that he's made a really dumb bet and it has come to hurt our underlying amount. So we'll just throw that out there to that's start. That's true. I didn't, I didn't give you all a chance to respond. Any, any rebuttal, Kev, or any response there? So if you'll have me, I'd like to double down this week. <laughs> I put down <laughs> no. 300, 300 bow coin out of 1,000 on Texas last week. I literally put, all, put the house on, on the yeah. season last week, which – I think all of us in some way, shape, or form did and was very upset to see the second half because although although boy Bo coin is is you know made up, that one did hurt. So my bad guys, but I'm gonna win it all back with a big bet this week. Uh yeah, I, I, I think we need to set a limit on Kevin for a one a one week like max twenty bow coin or something. No, less than that. Yeah, you can take if we need you, to take you, you it to a vote. It. I think it will pass three to one. So <laughs> I'll yeah, take you, you. I'll take the twenty, and I bet my returns from this week are better than any of your returns this week. Okay, okay. Well, well, I have I four like games that like I'm it. interested in, and I want to put. I want to put. Uh, how much money do we have? We have about six hundred. Ah, we're fine. Okay, I want to put fifty dollars on each of these four. So okay. Uh, first off, we release our podcast on Wednesday nights. There's a Wednesday night game that I love the line on. So I'm going to go ahead and make a bet for this Wednesday night game. And, uh, y'all, by the time you listen to this, you'll probably know I'm either very wrong or very right. Um, Coastal Carolina is only four point favorites over Appalachian State. I think Coastal wins this game by two scores. So I'm going to take Coastal minus four for 50 Bowcoin. I also like on Saturday, the Cincinnati Navy game. I like Cincinnati minus 27 and a half. I think uh, Navy is run only and Cincy is pretty dominant. I think they are a playoff caliber team. I want to take Cincy minus 27 and a half for 50 bow coin. Also, I like Oregon 
plus two and a half over UCLA for 50 bow coin. And finally, I like Bama minus 24 and a half over Tennessee. I, uh, I think these are all steal of bets. I can guarantee you I win at least three out of four of these, probably all four. But uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see who's talking on uh, in the next podcast, Kevin. I, I do like the Bama bet. That's how you feed the kids betting on Bama line. <laughs> okay, Man. so how much do I have this week? 20. Wait, I think you're on probation. We're going to cap you at 20. Okay, we'll call that the Kev ceiling. Um, with that in mind, um, and with my, my statement about winning more money than everybody else, I'm going to do a five-game parlay for, I guess, $4 each. Uh, on each of these lines and I'm, I'm with Jake I also love betting on the Wednesday game uh, for a couple reasons I think that Coastal Carolina will cover they're undefeated they're on the road though at Appalachian State who's won four games so it, it might be close but I love betting on that game because it'll keep me engaged you know midweek in that game I'll definitely watch it so the first of my five in the parlay is going to be Coastal Carolina who's ranked 14th in the country undefeated at minus four you can take that to the bank. Second of my five in this parlay is going to be Wisconsin line. Wisconsin is uh, favored by three right now as of Monday. Um, Wisconsin, didn't they have an upset last week? I think that they, no, Purdue had an upset last week. And Wisconsin is going to upset Purdue now after after their high of the season. So Wisconsin on the road, minus three. That's number two. Uh, my third one also, like Jake, I like Oregon plus two and a half on the road at UCLA. UCLA is a, a team that's won five games, is three and one in the Pac-12, but I think Oregon at 10th in the country, you know, surely will will cover a plus two and a half line. Um, I dogged on on the, uh, the Pac-12 already this pod, so I hope that doesn't come back to bite me, but Oregon plus two and a half. And... Number four of the five-game parlay is going to be Ole Miss, uh, minus nine and a half. Ole Miss is playing at home against four and three LSU, who already has two losses in the SEC. Um, Ole Miss just played a really uh, contested, really tough environment at Tennessee where they were throwing crap on the field and they still won the game against Tennessee. So although LSU is kind of bouncing back and might have a good game after you know publicly and graciously firing Coach O, I think Ole Miss easily covers that game at home. And the last... I think their QB's hurt. Matt Corral's hurt? Yeah. He's like questionable or something. Oh, he, he, he's definitely in there. That's that's the fourth out of my five in the parlay. So Matt Corral needs needs to play. We need to contact him. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll let him know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think Ole Miss covers that game at home. Last of my five in this parlay will be uh, the Texas A&M game. So... I took A&M on the road against Missouri, and it really worked out for me. You know, I lost the farm on the Texas game. I did win that one. Um, A&M is minus 21 in this game against South Carolina, who is a four-win team. Um, I, I don't know if A&M has the firepower on offense to, to really cover by 21, although it is at home in College Station. So I'm taking South Carolina plus 21 there to round out the, the five-game parlay. And, and it's just the start. I'm going to bring us back this season. We're not going to have to uh, 
expand the Bitcoin debt ceiling unless Jake loses all of his $200 this week that nobody had a problem with. <laughs> um, I took four games at $50. You took one game at 300 Yeah. <laughs> but Big difference. This, also, the odds of you winning a five-game parlay, we should be mad that you put $20 in the trash can. So that's You can take this to the bank. The next time we record... I'm gonna be on my way to to winning to winning the Bitcoin. And the Bo- the Bitcoin extravaganza. Final game, probably. Gosh, I just don't see them covering by 21. Even though it's at home and and South Carolina is not great at one and three in the SEC. Like, like we all know, Jimbo is going to LSU. He's gonna lose a game and then and then <laughs> announce that after the loss. So, um, hey, hey, we're all on the same team here. We're definitely pulling for your parlay. Yeah, it's gonna hit. It's it's all gonna hit. <laughs> Can I add a couple bets to mine? For sure. Okay. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna add a 25 bow coin for the Oregon for Oregon to um, I guess Oregon plus two or two and a half. Um, and then I want to show some love to my to my hometown, the San Antonio. So uh, I'm gonna take UTSA and the points, um, and let's throw a 25 bow coin on that. Against right. they're playing Louisiana Tech and it's seven seven point spread. Man, I'm looking at stats here. Frank Harris, the quarterback for UT- UTSA, has 1600 yards passing and 14 touchdowns. That's nice. Kev, I just I just ran the parlay odds through just a calculator, and at five five leg parlay, um, just been the spread you would win. Four hundred eighty-seven and fifteen cents on a twenty-dollar bet with a payout of five hundred seven and fifteen cents. So let's go. Those are Robin Hood numbers, baby. We're back. <laughs> I'd be back in the positive if this hits, which it will. That is true. That is true. Nice. All right. Well, we got we got a good amount of money out there. Let's see. We got one. We have a little over a little over three hundred. So I guess now that's like half of our bankroll. But you know. For an off week, that's good. Get some, hopefully collect some winnings, heading into uh heading into the buy, um with some good good bankroll going into the back half of the season. All right, well I'll get these in, um, and yeah, thanks Bo. Winners. Yeah, thanks Bo for uh, getting those all that Bo coin in play. Um, I'm 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 thinking it's gonna be a better week. Texas isn't being bet on, so uh, I feel confident. Um. That's going to wrap up this uh, special bi-week edition of Football on the 40. Reminder, next week we will be pre-gaming the Baylor game as well as doing a couple of additional segments. Um, We're all headed to the – well, most of us are headed to the Baylor game next week. So uh, I'm sure there will be some emotion involved in those – in that preview. But, um, you know, we can't lose this week. So, you know, we'll, we'll probably be pretty optimistic come the next podcast. We want to thank you again for listening. We're having a blast doing this and uh, we will catch you next week on football on the 40.